اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم So at the last gathering we spoke a little bit about the notion of equality in our deen and we said that uh, the notion of equality in deen is deeper than the obvious uh, idea that exists within our society society today which is that all people are created equal yes in deen all people are created equal as well uh, however when we think about equality in our deen we take that uh concept and it becomes very broad for the person who begins to develop themselves along this path and what i mean by that is that as a person develops themselves along this path they begin to recognize that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is equal in the way in which he um bestows opportunity but is also equal in the way in which he bestows calamity meaning that in the face of calamity it is there is no bias let's just put it that way there is no bias now you know in the world in which we live there's bias people are biased sometimes based on an individual's skin color or on an individual's income or on an individual's strength or on an individual's gender whatever it might be i mean there's biases that people hold but uh in the case of calamity there really is no bias at any moment at any time anyone can be afflicted with calamity and you'll see that calamity does not uh knock at the door and turn away based on a person's income calamity does not knock on the door and turn away based on a person's education calamity does not knock on the door and turn away based on a patient on a person's passport based on their nationality or based on their lineage calamity is constantly befalling humanity and any person is susceptible to calamity at any time now why does this why is this notion important it's important because it creates a sense of awareness in the believer to fear their lord to beg and make dua to their lord and to also recognize a blessing when it's present before it disappears so for example last week uh, i spent a little bit of time highlighting the notion that calamity will befall everybody in this room and it will come at different times and at different places and in different ways but there's no exception all of us are going to have some calamity or another befall us i don't think anyone in this room will disagree that age is something that we cannot turn away cells are programmed towards senescence and human beings are human beings they become senescent we cannot turn that away and everybody in this room will be afflicted with it now a person can be wise and they can say okay this is a um affliction that will occur and it is broad and equally based 
And so therefore, I will appreciate it. And by appreciating it, I will then recognize that what I have today, I may not have tomorrow. And so I should maximize on my opportunity. And you'll see this in hadith as well. Rasulullah highlights that an individual should take advantage of their youth before they become old. Why? Because when an individual is young, they have energy, they have ability, they have um, they have excitement, they have motivation. And I'm not saying that those things completely disappear as a person age, ages, but we all know that the younger a person is, um, the more these types of characteristics tend to be present. So you don't find a 65-year-old saying, I'm going to go to grad school. Um, maybe there's some 65-year-olds that go to grad school, but for the most part, when you look at grad school, grad school is loaded with a bunch of 20-year-olds. I'm not saying a 65-year-old can't do that, but what I'm saying is that in our society, we recognize that as we age, we lose certain abilities that we once had. And again, why is that important? Because it means that as people of wisdom, we don't make the assumption that, uh, that today will be always today. We recognize that there will be a tomorrow. And that if we don't take advantage of today, that tomorrow the same opportunities may not exist. So we should, as part of our saluk, as part of our developing ourselves, recognize that, okay, I have an opportunity available today. And that opportunity will not always be present. And so it is my responsibility when I'm making decisions and making plans for the future to maximize on today or to plan on maximizing on today so that I don't limit myself in my potential. And this is something that everybody in this room has to recognize. Now, we can be oblivious to it and we could just make the assumption that today will always be today and that tomorrow will never come, but that would be a mistake. And you'll see, people will say, people who, who go through life, you'll, for example, when you sit with people who are older, they have a lot of advice to give. They have a lot of advice to give, and the advice that they'll give is study hard. Right? I was just recently sitting, and there was a you know, 77-year-old man. He was sitting at the table, and he was talking to a younger individual, and he said, study hard. I wish I would have studied more when I was younger. Now, why does he wish he would have studied more when he, when he was younger? Because now he recognizes at the age of 77 that he's not able to do what he was able to do when he was 17. So he wishes that he would have done these things. And the reason that people, as they age, become so much more firm in their advice and so much more certain in their advice is because they've gone through it. Now they're on the other side, and they begin to recognize that I can't do those things. I don't have those same opportunities. I don't have that same energy. I don't have those same abilities. So everybody in this room would be wise to recognize that, as an example, as just one example, that we will age. Then that as we age, we will become less able than we were at a certain time in our life to do certain things. Yes, as you age, certain things become easier and you become more proficient, but many things have become harder. And nobody's an exception. And the only person who loses in this equation, the only person who loses in this equation is the person who makes the assumption that it will not come. Why does Rasulullah need to tell us, take advantage of your youth before you become old? Isn't that obvious? I mean, couldn't you ask anybody on the planet that what is the time of their life when they're most able to um, start something new and achieve heights in their goals? I mean, everyone would tell you I w what I was able to do when I was 20, I'm not able to do when I'm 80. You don't need a statement to say that. You don't need a prophet to, to tell you that. What Rasulullah is reminding us is that, oh, believer, oh, one who's striving, oh, one whose aim is high towards their Lord, 
Don't make the mistake of not taking advantage of your youth because it, thinking that it will be there forever because it won't be there forever. Don't make the mistake of thinking that you'll be healthy forever because invariably human beings are going to become sick. So these are all things that we have to recognize. We should take advantage of our health. We should take advantage of our, um, of our, of our youth. And these are things that behoove the wise individual and are highlighted in hadith so that the person who's striving in their deen can reach their maximum potential. A lot of times people make a plan in the back of their mind. When I become 60 and retire, then I'll sit and do dhikr. When I become 60 and retire, then I'll memorize Quran. When I become 60 and retire, then I'm going to sit and in the circles of Arabic and the circles of Tajweed and I'll begin to learn. Yes, that should be a goal and that should be an intention. And that's a very lofty intention. But why wait till the time when you're not able to do as much as you could do now? Why not do it today? Because we're busy. But that's the whole point. Shaitan, don't think that Shaitan doesn't know this paradigm. Shaitan knows this paradigm very well. He knows that this is the most valuable time of our lives and he recognizes that this is the time that he wants us to waste as well. Shaitan is no fool. Shaitan has been watching generations of human beings pass through this planet. He knows exactly what's necessary to get close to one's Lord and he knows exactly how to derail a person towards that goal. And the way he does it, one way he does it, amongst the many... One way he does it is to make a person think that today will always be today and that tomorrow will never come. Oh, we can delay that because uh, uh, I'm too young. I have so many other things to do. I'll handle it when I get older. I'll handle it when the kids get older. I'll handle it when uh, I'm retired. I'll handle, handle it when I don't have other important things on my plate. Dean is the most important thing. And our, and our striving and progressing in deen is what's going to define us for the rest of our lives. So if there's any period of time in which we should be attached to the masjid, we should be striving in our deen, we should have lofty goals to learn and advance and study and sit in the company of the pious, it should be at, at, this, at this age, at a younger age, at any age, but especially at a younger age. So that was the summary of last week which is that these things equally befall everyone. Don't make the assumption thinking that it, will only ha- it only happens to them. You see an individual, they're having difficult, they're praying on a chair. Nobody in their right mind in this room who's younger thinks, I'll be praying on that chair one day. No, we think it was, it's them who's praying on the chair, it won't be me, until we're eventually praying on the chair. Right? And then at that point, then, oh, okay, now I'm praying on the chair. I didn't think I would be here, but I ended up here. Well, we should look at the chair and we should say, I may be praying on that chair one day. Let me do the things that I want to do now before I reach that point in my life. So this is this was the summary of the message from last week. Now, the message for today is just a it's just a derivative from this from this principle. Uh, and this principle again is the principle of equality. The principle of a lack of non-bias. Alright? And that is that one of the greatest blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed upon us is that He has placed Himself as the judge of our deen. Listen very carefully because it's very important. One of the greatest blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed upon us is that He has made Himself the judge of our deen. Now what do I mean by that? 
You don't have to please me to become pious and lofty in your deen. You don't have to please your neighbor. You don't have to please the imam in the masjid. You don't have to please any individual person. You have to please Allah. And that opportunity exists for each of you individually. Now, if you had to please a person, people have biases, right? For example, you have to please a person, that person may prefer one language over another, one nationality over another, one, inc- one income class over another, one gender over another, one um, you know, lineage over another. That, that's human beings. Human beings have biases. That's, that's their nature. But the beauty of our deen is that there is no bias. We have to please Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so merciful that He does not judge us on anything except our taqwa. You can't go to Allah and say, I have this skin color, so therefore I'm this. I have this much wealth in my bank account, so therefore I'm this. I have this much strength in my, in my bicep, so therefore I'm this. None of that is going to be a criterion upon which we're judged. Allah is the most fair judge. He's the only fair judge, in, in fact. Any, ju- any judge, any human judge will actually tell you the first thing that they know is that they are not perfect, that they are human. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is perfect in his judgment. And he is f- the most fair and the most just and the most wise. And he's all seeing. Now look, you could be great, but I may never be able to appreciate that because I can't see your greatness. I may not know when you're great. You may be great in the middle of the night. You may be great in a certain thing. I don't have to be able to see it. You may be great silently. I mean, I don't have to be able to hear it. Allah sees all. Allah hears all. Allah knows all. Allah perceives all. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even reads what's inside the heart of the individual. So, I mean, that is a huge blessing upon humanity. That you don't have to go through anyone. You go directly to Allah. He is the judge. It would be, I can guarantee you, it would be very difficult if we had to set up a court and the court was to decide who's pious and who's not, who should be able and who should not be able. We would never, we would never be able to pass that court of law. We would never be able to adjudicate our case before that court, court of law. That's not, that's not going to happen. This is a great blessing on Allah. Now, a great blessing from Allah. Now, for example, look at last week, right? Last week we gathered together, and we had a a shortened session, but the reason we had the shortened session is because there was a young boy who had memorized Qur'an. He had memorized the whole of the Qur'an. Okay, now you ask yourself a question, you know, who has the right to memorize the Qur'an? What are the criteria? You know, you, you could say, well, if your grandfather and your father and your lineage memorize Qur'an, then you should have the right to memorize Qur'an. If you're born in a uh, in a from in a tribe that um, initially memorized Quran, then you should you should be able to memorize Quran. If your mother tongue was Arabic, then you should be able to memorize Quran. But look, that boy who memorized Quran, who knows what's in his lineage? Certainly, I can tell you his parents are not have not memorized the Quran. But and who? I mean, his, certainly his family mother tongue is not Arabic. The boy grew up speaking English grew up in the United States, he doesn't have any criteria that says that he grew up in a, some uh, in Mecca or Medina, and so therefore now he can memorize Qur'an. He grew up in America. He's just a regular kid like all the kids that we see running around. 
he grew up speaking English, and he grew up in just a family that you know is trying to make make uh, their spiritual ends meet. But Allah Subhanahu wa Taala looked at the sincerity in the heart of the boy, looked at the sincerity in the heart of the parents, looked at the sincerity in the hearts of all the people that are around them as a as a gathering. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala decided to bestow this blessing upon us. It's not on him; it's upon us. As a group, as a collective jama'ah, Allah bestowed this blessing upon us that we are able to produce such flowers despite the fact that the soil is completely depleted. But this is Allah's mercy alone. And Allah is the judge. I mean, I can tell you that if you would have asked people 30 years ago, you would have gone to some big scholars 30 years ago and you would have said that there's a group of people there migrating to America and they don't have scholars with them, and they're going for the purpose. Basically, essentially, why did our parents, if either you migrated or your parents migrated or your great-grandparents migrated, they didn't migrate for deen. I have yet to meet an individual, very few. I mean, there are a few. But the vast majority of people I know who came here, they don't say, I came here because I wanted deen. I wanted to establish deen. They say, I came here because I wanted a good job. I wanted opportunity. I wanted to flee oppression. Even though their intention was wealth or status or education despite that being the primary intention Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserved and protected deen amongst them and caused their children and their children's children to memorize Quran I, I would have said you didn't come here for me so don't expect to get anything from me you know if I was the judge I'd say why did you come here you came here for that reason so go there have that but don't ask me for anything but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so merciful that even when a person doesn't intend, he manages to find some reason to bestow a blessing upon them. And that, that does, is not seen in the vast majority of human judges. So, there is an equality of opportunity in deen. There is an equality of opportunity in deen. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what skin color you have. It doesn't matter how much you have in your bank account. It doesn't matter how educated you are. Every individual has an equal opportunity to approach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if any individual approaches Allah with one step, Allah takes ten towards them. If any individual approaches Allah walking, Allah runs towards them. There's no bias. There's no bias. So much so that even the one who distances themselves from Allah, should they make the intention to rectify themselves, Allah will also approach them. In fact, Allah loves to approach them. You know, the one who is at war with Allah. I mean, look, the one who is off and busy doing their own thing, they're not at war with Allah, they're just confused. But I'm saying the one who's an open sinner who basically says, I don't believe in my Lord, I don't, I don't believe in a Lord, etc., etc., if that person makes a turn and recognizes their Creator and recognizes that they are a servant, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala returns right back to them. And not only does Allah bestow blessings upon them in this life, but Allah bestows an infinite reward on them in the hereafter. So, I mean, look, what's important now? I mean, yes, in our society, it's important that there be equal opportunity for every job, right? I mean, we all know this. If there's a job, there should be equal opportunity for anybody to be able to apply to that job, and it should be based on ability. If there's a neighborhood and somebody wants to live there, anybody should be able to live in that neighborhood. It's, you shouldn't, there shouldn't be discrimination that who can live in that neighborhood and who can't live in that neighborhood, correct? 
I mean, these are the, these are the things that we hope for, but they're not perfect. In any society, they're not perfect. And so you have laws and you have rules and regulations, but they're still not perfect. And everybody in this room has experienced in some way, shape, or form a circumstance in which they weren't fully comfortable with an opportunity that was present before them. Some people have experienced it more. Some have experienced less. But I think everybody in this room perhaps has experienced it in some way, shape, or form. But the most important thing in the context of our existence is what? Is Jannah. That's the most important thing. If I want to live anywhere, I want to live in Jannah. If, I, if you ask me, I want an equal opportunity for anything, yes, I want equal opportunity for me and my children and my loved ones in this world, but I definitely want it in Jannah. Now, in this world, there are biases, and we fight at, to eradicate them, and Dean helps to highlight that we need to eradicate them, and we are proponents of equality and creating equal opportunity, even for the people who may not necessarily be of the Dean. But in Jannah, there is complete equal opportunity. In Jannah, there is complete equal opportunity. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not hold any bias against a person. Anyone can enter into Jannah. And the opportunity is present for all of us. And we should, the, the only mistake actually, the only mistake that a person can make when considering this opportunity is to think that somehow it's biased against me. I, I mentioned this hadith maybe a few weeks back after after returning from Hajj. But, you know, when a person goes to Arafah, then their sins are forgiven. And they come back like a newborn baby. And there's a hadith in which Rasulullah mentions that the only sin that a person who leaves from Arafah can carry, listen very carefully, the only sin that a person who leaves from Arafah can carry is that they make the assumption that they were not forgiven in Arafah. That's the only sin that can occur. That's the, that's the broad equality of Allah's mercy across an entire plane of humanity. Now think about this. That plane of humanity is so diverse. They come with different sins. They come with different family backgrounds. They come with different languages. They come with different income. They come with uh, different abilities and different intellect and different physical strength. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives them broadly and equally. And then the only statement that's made concerning that forgiveness is that the only sin that these people can have is that they think that they weren't completely forgiven. So we as a group should recognize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created any opportunity for us. And no one should ever feel that they are not able to achieve deen. No one should ever feel that they're not able to achieve Allah. That opportunity is constantly open. The only thing that it takes is that a person has to knock at the door. Now, how many times have I said this before? And how many times we will repeat it again? It doesn't matter what sin a person has. You know, people, they say, I, you don't know me. I did this and this and that and this. It doesn't matter. If a person makes toba, the opportunity to achieve greatness in deen is present before them. This bayah of toba that we've talked about several times over the past few weeks that's what this Bay of Toba is. A person says to themselves that I know I've made a million mistakes. I know I've made a million mistakes, but I want to avail myself of that amazing opportunity to be able to achieve the pinnacle of existence, which is proximity to my Lord in this life and his ultimate reward in the hereafter. So I am making an intention. I am making an intention to seek forgiveness of my past mistakes and to rectify myself so that I can avoid future mistakes.
and it's open to anybody. And it doesn't even need a person. I mean, like, I haven't sat here and said you have to make bayat the hands of the greatest sheikh on the planet so you have to travel. No. You have to just wake up in the middle of the night and realize that this is the most important thing. And come to, a, come to terms with it. And it happens when we're alone. It doesn't, often doesn't even happen in a group. It happens when we just become so fed up with ourselves. And so fed up with the life that we've been living. And so fed up with the mistakes that we've made. That we then say to ourselves... I need a new start. And I'll tell you that in life, you, it's not easy to get a new start. Sometimes you get so much into debt and you can't get out of debt. Sometimes you get so messed up in school that just your teacher never believes in you again. Sometimes you get into a relationship and that relationship breaks, no matter how much you want it to be to exist. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's opportunity is infinite and always available and never biased. It doesn't matter what happened in the past. A momentary uh, desire to rectify oneself with the proper intention erases everything. And Allah never brings it up again. It gets erased from the book of deeds as if it doesn't exist. Even the angels forgot that they wrote it. That's the opportunity that's present before us. So why should we not avail ourselves of that? Where else will we find such an opportunity? I can tell you, you can try to rectify a bad marriage but the old problems keep coming up. Two people can sit together and they can say, I forgive you, you, I forgive you as well. And they make an intention to start over. And then five minutes later, but you did this 30 years ago. It doesn't go away. It's human nature. People can't forget. You can go to school and you can do very, you can, you can do poorly. And then eventually you do well in a couple classes and you apply. And then they say, but what about 10 years ago? What happened to you then? How come you didn't do well then? The record always exists. You could file for bankruptcy after being in immense debt and the bankruptcy judge could clear your record, but then for so many years you still have a history that you, you, you filed for bankruptcy. It doesn't change. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so kind and merciful and so, um, so amazingly accepting that a person could be utterly bankrupt in deen. Utterly bankrupt in deen. There's no way they could ever repay their for the, for the mistakes that they've made. And they only have to say, Ya Allah, I, I was mistaken. Please forgive me. That's all. There's no makeup. There's no, uh, now, okay, make 30 laps around the world. There's none of that. Just a simple awareness that I want to avail myself of the most amazing, unbiased opportunity that exists on the planet. And that only my Lord and, and uh, my Lord alone is where I can turn. That's all that's required. And, and a person can achieve great heights. And not only that, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then opens the door for any opportunity. Look, Allah does not say that uh, if you want to become a hafiz of Quran, your six generations prior had to become, had to be hafiz of Quran. No. I mean, it's amazing. You know, you look at how people exist and also you see, You'll see, uh, you know, the clergy is often the son of a clergy, is the son of clergy. It, it, that's not in our deen. All, all these young ulama that are in Chicago, they all came from regular families. There's no scholars in their families. They just somehow, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put in their heart to become a scholar. And you see this Mawlana and this Mufti and this Mawlana and this Mufti and this Qari and this Hafid. And it's, they have no generation. There's no generational, uh, you know, history there. It's amazing. Anybody in this room could become a great scholar of deen. 
You just have to make the intention and go make an effort. And no one's going to ask you anything more. And you'll be categorized as great merely by your intention. Even if the scholar makes a mistake, they get credit for being right. When the person who is making a fatwa makes an effort towards making the fatwa and gets it right, they get two rewards. If they make an effort towards making the fatwa and they get it wrong, they get one reward. Never is a mark written against them because of their intention. So we should recognize that we have every opportunity in the world to advance ourselves in deen. And we should do everything in our power to take advantage of this opportunity. And whatever Allah has given you, that's all you have to give back. Nobody's saying that you have to go and find a diamond and you have to then carve it and present it to your Lord. If you have wealth, that's your diamond. If you have health, you can use your body and your energy and your mind and your spirit. That's your diamond. If you have organizational ability, that's your diamond. If you have softness in your heart, that can be your diamond. Every person has their own contribution that they're going to make and Allah accepts each contribution equally. You don't have to be anybody else except yourself. When we sit and we train people in saluk, I'm not, there's no, the beauty of saluk is exactly the fact that it's decentralized. We don't look at somebody and say, okay, now how am I going to mold you into this? We look at the person and say, okay, how am I going to mold you into you? We take a person and try to make them human themselves as they are with their characteristics, with their strengths and their weaknesses. We recognize their weaknesses and protect them against themselves. We recognize their strengths and leverage them against themselves. That's the training. We don't have some sort of cookie-cutter mold that everybody has to take the same standard exam and based on your SAT score, you'll be able to achieve this and that in your deen. We don't have that at all. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not have that. There is no standardized test. There is just an intention and an, and an effort to give to use your abilities, which Allah gave us, to return them back to our Lord and establish ourselves in deen. And everyone is different, and everybody's peak is different, and everybody's personality is different, and everybody's abilities are different. But each person has the same opportunity to earn the same Jannah. All it is is that the person make the intention to fully leverage themselves and fully commit themselves in deen. And boom, they achieve the peak the peaks in Jannah. This, where are you going to find such a deal? You go to med school and everybody wants to know, what's your MCAT? You say, I did well on the SAT. No, I didn't ask you about the SAT. I asked you about the MCAT. Well, I did it good on the LSAT. I didn't ask you about the LSAT. I asked you about the MCAT. It's pigeonholed. You have to follow this routine in order to succeed in this way. But deen is very vast and broad. You may become a hafid. You may become an alim. You may become someone who becomes wealthy and donates. You may become someone who uses their time and organizational skills. You may be someone that's good at bringing members together in the community. You may be someone that prays in the middle of the night. You may be someone who enjoys making salawat on Rasulullah The whole community comes together and collectively succeeds. And each person has their own strengths and weaknesses. And we recognize that and we leverage those. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts them equally. Allah accepts them equally. And even the scholars in our, in our community, we have the ability to earn just as much as they do. Even though we're not scholars. Now, scholars are very special. But we can assist the scholars. We can um, 
learn from the scholars. We can uplift the scholars, etc. There's just so much. I mean, the person who guides to something gets the same reward as the one who's done it themselves. Regardless, the point remains that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the point remains that the greatest blessing for us is that our test is judged and scored by the most unbiased and amazingly accepting judges, and that is Allah. And He is alone and unique in the way in which He deals with us. And we can't even, we can't even begin to, to fathom and express it, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is equally accepting of anyone who wants to approach him and does not hold any bias except that the person is sincere and wants to please their Lord. So we ask that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us among those who seek him in everything that we do. We ask that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from the deception of thinking that youth will always remain. And we ask that he make us among those who take advantage of our youth before we lose it and take advantage of our health before we lose it. Wa akhirat ta'wana. Anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. 